Welcome to another episode of The Brett Bailey Show, where I find inspiring men to share their story, impart their wisdom, and hopefully change your life and the whole masculine culture at large. If you're somebody who wants to be free of their deepest fears, find real emotional freedom, and attract the life of their wildest dreams, then you're listening to the right podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into another episode. Welcome back, everybody, to The Brett Bailey Show. We have a special guest today, and our guest is going to be talking about not just physical health, but emotional health, uh, his own experience, how he combines them, and how we can, as millennials, most of you are millennials listening to this, can boost productivity and maintain childlike vigor. Peter Amen. is the owner of GoFlow Training, and I've met him so far for about five and a half minutes, and it's been great. And um, I feel his energy, and I think he has a lot of value to share for us today. So without further, further ado, welcome P- Peter Theoharitis. Great pronunciation. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you for the, the introduction, Brett. That was uh, that was great, and um, I'm super excited to be on here, and uh, you know, get to talk and shop a little bit. I remember I started following you um, a few weeks back. I saw some posts that you made about um, I know you talk a lot about like vulnerability and um, yes. being willing to um, you know, face our emotions and express them. And I think um, that's something that that I've been guilty of in the past. And um, I think it's very common, especially with uh, millennial men, much like ourselves. I'm not exactly sure how old you are. Um, You look like you're around my age. I'm 25 years old, but I think um, definitely men that are our age, um, that's a problem. And, um, you know, so I really, I applaud what you're doing for sure. Uh, I mean, first of all, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of men now are ready to do this work. They're, They're like getting to the point where they're like, man, this program that I got, about how I have to be strong and tough all the time and not show my emotions and bottle everything up because I would be, I'm going to be perceived as weak. I think we're kind of getting to the point now as men where we're kind of done with that paradigm. And I'm happy to be one of the many people that are doing this work to help men get back into their hearts because it is very important work uh, for us to be doing. And I'm 22 turning 23, just so you know, in December. I see. All right. I would have guessed around there. Yes. Yes. I mean, the other day I was at a, a bar with my girlfriend. We were going on this, like it was a blind double date for me. Um, but um, we were there and we asked about ages and the, and the woman that we were going with thought, thought I was 32. So I walked well, really fucking happy from that. Dinner. I was like, okay, I'm really, I must be really manly. Right. <laughs> that's it. Well, you got a, you got a manly stash there. So I think that's yes. a giveaway for the older age, but it looks sharp, man. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so to dive right in, because you talked about vulnerability, what are some things just so the audience instantly will connect with you? What are some things that you felt shame around that you've had to overcome in your life? For example, for you, was it dancing or singing or potentially something sexually with women? Like, I'm going to dive straight into this. What's some things that you've held shame around in your life that you've had to overcome? Um, yeah, man, I'd love to get into that a little bit. I think um, not so much dancing when I was younger, but definitely as I've gotten older, I feel super yes. stiff. But for yes. me, the biggest vulnerability that... Um, that I've had is, is being physically weak and incapable, of de- incapable of defending myself. So, um, yes. I grew up going into the gym and this is kind of where my fitness journey started when I was around 16. And, um, I yeah. definitely had a massive ego and a massive chip on my shoulder. Um, I think, um, I was bullied a little bit when I was a kid, not like a lot, but like enough to where, um, you know, that, that crumbled my ego and I had like a super sure. low self-esteem and self-destructive sure. behavior. So, um, I think, um, the gym was an outlet for me to, well, for one, I think, um, I had a healthy relationship with it to a certain extent until the point where, um, 
Um, I used it to, you know, mask my insecurities and, um, and cover up like some weaknesses I had through getting big and strong and intimidating. And, um, and I think that left me empty. And then I think from there moving forward, um, I think I was, I was, um, I guess to kind of tell a story, I, um, when I was about 20 years old, I started working with, um, with a friend of mine, um, my brother's best friend, but he was a landscaper. Um, definitely you could say like a, a gritty blue collar, manly man, been in a lot of street fights, um, really hardworking guy, great athlete. And, um, he, he exposed me and he, uh, he exposed me for my weaknesses and my insecurities and, and it crumbled me. And, um, he definitely, there were times where he, he told me I was weak and he told me I was a pussy and stuff like that. And, um, and then, um, after that, I, I'd like started getting into, uh, training jujitsu to, you know, mask my insecurities as like, you know, not being able to handle myself in a fight or, um, just like looking like I was strong and tough and I wanted to actually be it. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I find like a lot of freedom in, in, um, martial arts and, and training hard and working hard, but, um, in doing it to pursue some kind of selfish vanity i think that was definitely destructive for me so i think that's kind of my spiel right there for you yeah well um i i I appreciate you sharing that and for everyone who couldn't see his face or everyone who doesn't see his face maybe you could hear in his voice i can sense how much emotion is there for you from that experience with that uh with that person and i think we've all had experiences where we felt like we weren't enough as we were and we had to do things to earn love and that's one of the biggest things that men go through. One of the, mo- the core patterns I see in my work is the same thing. And I went through it too, same as you, uh, in a d- different specific context, but the same core pattern, which is for me to earn respect or attention or love, I have to do things. And who I am as a, who I am right now isn't good enough for that praise or recognition. And it causes men to feel like they have to go out and earn that praise, earn that yeah. recognition. I have to go, I guess, be a better fucking landscaper in your case. For me, maybe better at sports. For somebody else, perfect grades. For somebody else, um, they go out and want to conquer a bunch of women so that they can feel like they're enough. And it's all the same route, which is what you touched on, which is amazing. You're at that depth, which is it's actually low self-worth and low self-esteem, which, by the way, Peter, are any babies born with low self-esteem? No. Fuck. Not right. No. No, no. I mean, the, the generational shit, maybe some of it stored in ourselves, but generally, no, babies are not born with low self-esteem. And so we learn this. And I'm curious, how did you overcome that? How have you, because you said you went to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, you went to um, uh, the gym trying to mask some of this insecurity. What has been your personal process? And I know it's still a process for you like it is for me to work on your self-esteem and to build yourself up. How man you done you know as far as internal work to, to bring yourself up to a place of enoughness as you are i mean i gotta be like completely transparent like this is so new to me but um yes i i went to i started going to a counselor about uh, a mental health counselor about three or four uh, maybe a little more recent but probably around like three months back i started cool. talking to a mental health counselor and they uh in a in a business mindset coach and, um, the first thing for me was just accepting it. Like, wow. Like, um, yes. I, I feel so low confidence. I, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, like I don't feel comfortable. Like you look at me, you see like a, a physical specimen with like these mangled ears, like, oh, this kid must be like super like tough and like, and, uh, confident. And, um, and I, and I didn't feel like that 
I didn't feel like that at all. And, um, I think, you know, just bringing that to truth and accepting that was the, the first step for me, for sure. Yes. Taking down the, I know someone personally who's going through the same thing right now. And, um, it's basically like taking down the, I have to be tough mask, not being seen as weak mask. Is that more or less what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, definitely. Cause yeah, sure. I feel that because we have to be vulnerable with ourselves first and foremost, right? Like we can't expect like, like, yeah, like we have to like admit to ourselves, like the lies we've told ourselves, we have to admit to ourselves that we do have vulnerabilities. And, um, just because I feel, I feel called to share this is that one of the things I did with my dad personally is I, I was telling you a little bit before Peter, before the podcast that with my dad, I felt like I wasn't enough for him. Um, mm-hmm. my parents split when I was six years old and it doesn't matter who you are when you're six years old, you think it's your fault because you're a self-centered, you're living in a self-centered reality. You're six years old. You don't have a conscious mind yet to differentiate between and contrast and contrast with. So I thought that the divorce was my fault. Naturally, it's just what happens. Kids take that on. My dad and my mom is unhappy. I take that on. And so the thing that I did with my dad was I had to claim the vulnerability that I had around him and the things that I experienced I had with him. But I also had to claim the fuck you. Because there's always two sides to these points in healing. There's always these little conflicts or paradoxes within us. And when we look at the fuck you and the vulnerability, there's like, when we look at what caused it, we have to claim the vulnerability just like you've done, like you, we have to claim the, the shame, the guilt, the pain, how much it really hurt us, how much it touched us and allow ourselves to feel the depth of the pain of how much that touched us. And nobody wants to do that because it's like you bring your finger on a hot stove. You never want to go back and do that again. Yeah. But that, that, that's the work that we have to do. So Absolutely. I'm, curious, I'm curious for specifics um, with the work you've done, like in your space, I'm sure you see a lot of meatheads and um, bodybuilding types. And by the way, no judgment to them um, whatsoever. I'm saying all of this just, just for fun and kind of as a joke. Um, no, no judgment to anybody because we all have our own path and um, we're all meant to wake up and come to this work at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't make us better or worse. Um, what, have some, what have been some things that you've seen in the health industry that have taken people away from an empowering life? Like, what are some reasons or some behaviors that you see in the health space for men that takes them away from really living a truly empowered or fulfilled life in the um, way that they train for example. So something that like I was kind of touching on a little bit, but um, I think the biggest thing is ego lifting. So um, going into the gym and this is something that I did starting out going into the gym and um, trying to lift as heavy as possible, trying to impress people, impress girls, um, like growing up, I used to love going into the gym because, um, I was super strong. I was lifting, eating all the time, um, making a lot of gains. Uh, I just like loved being in the gym because, um, I would like when people would like watch me like lift weights or like be intimidated by, um, like how strong I was and don't get me wrong. Like being strong is great. Um, I think it's important for men to be strong, but if you're doing it just so you can like fill some voids, you can feel good about yourself. And I think that's, that's super toxic. And then like from there you move towards, um, comparing yourself to others, uh, like looking at someone. And this is something I think like, um, I think this is so common. It's just like a norm where like people will like compare themselves to like someone to look at someone and be like, Oh, like I can kick that kid's ass. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just like, 
Um, I think that happens a lot. And I think that's something that was common with myself. And, um, and I, I never really understood like how toxic that was to just like kind of be placing that judgment on other people on a, on a constant basis. And I think, I think in the gym, I think, um, I think if you're putting out a lot of ego, then you're going to be getting ego, ego back. I think if you're putting out like, um, like a lot of like positivity and community and like collaboration and like, and like interacting with others, I think you're going to get that in return. And, um, that wasn't the case for me. And I think that's not the case for a lot of guys who are in the gym. And I think that, um, it just, it just feeds off of itself in, in a negative loop. So I don't, I don't think that's great. Yes. I, I agree. And I love what you said, what we put out, we tend to get back and okay. And then, so coming into some health, uh, a health piece now for the guys that want to specifically build muscle. Um, I'm not exactly looking for Actually, we'll do one build muscle and then we'll do one um, drop some fat or drop some weight. Cause there's probably guys listening that have both goals. Potentially they want both goals at the same time. Is that, is that attainable? I don't know. Um, but let's just start off with building muscle. What are the ways that you've used to build muscle? One of some of the ways, cause I know you're very intuitive with your work and yep. value that the most. And so what are some ways that you found to build muscle and that you just feel like are the, the best strategies and also have seen in your work that help men build muscle, um, I guess the fastest and in the most sustainable way. So I'll tell you what I did. That's probably the wrong way. And then I'll tell you a little bit of what I think is like the most, like you said, the most sustainable, most intuitive way. So when I first started bulking, um, I was just stuffing my face four or five meals a day and, um, stepping on the scale. And when I saw though, that the weight was going up, um, I said, okay, great. I'll just keep eating more and keep doing what I'm doing. And the weight will keep going up. And, um, that worked. I put on a bunch of muscle, um, got really big, um, put on some fat too though. And, um, you know, definitely was lacking in, in mobility and athleticism because yes. I was just doing the power lifts, the Olympic lifts. Um, so I think that, the, that's that kind of style. It's known as like a dirty bulk where you're kind of just like stuffing your face. It's super effective. You'll get big, um, but you're going to get fat too. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're, and if you're not doing it sustainably, then, um, then you're, you're going to be limited in your mobility. Um, your cardio is probably not going to be great. Your athleticism won't be great either. And then I think on the better side of things that, that I work on with my clients who want to build muscles is finding a sustainable surplus. So what that is going to look like, um, is usually a surplus of about like one to two, probably no more than, than one pound a week. So a pound equates to about 3,500 calories. Uh, so if you want to add a pound a week, you surplus 3,500 calories a week, which is about 500 calories a day. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then you basically just do your lifts, track your body weight, track your meals. And, uh, that's a great way to, to, um, to build muscle in a sustainable way. Like that equates to about four to five pounds a month, which is slow. Um, like I've been in the, in the past, like I put on like 10 pounds in like, in like two months and it's just <laughs> like, you get kind of, you get kind of fat. So yeah. it's not the best way to do it. So I think finding, finding that surplus of about like half a pound to a pound a week is, is great for building muscle. Yeah. Got you. Got you. And what about for guys like me and uh, other guys I know who don't want to fucking count their calories, who don't want to fucking do that whole thing, but they still want to bulk in a sustainable and healthy way. Would you recommend that they like that they eat more intuitive, like really just not counting, but just kind of intuitively seeing what their body 
feels and then maybe eating a little bit more just to make sure they're getting their surplus in? Like, how would you, how would you describe it for a guy who wants to take control of his health, but doesn't want to like count all this shit? Like, do, should they just get a coach like yourself? Like, should they just do it intuitively? What should they do? So honestly, that's a great question. And that this is, <laughs> this is, excuse me, something that I'm definitely big on because, um, something that we've been touching on and I think it's thematic is, is building a sustainable approach and, and boosting longevity. And, um, I don't think it's realistic. Like I see coaches who are like saying like, Oh, wow. Scale, like weigh out your foods on a scale and all this bullshit. And, um, I think that's great. If like you're a bodybuilder and you want to weigh out your foods, it's going to be pretty efficient, but who wants to like weigh their foods and track their meals a bunch, um, for the rest of their life. No one's going to do that. I think that's ridiculous. Like you don't see like lions and tigers and bears in the wild and shit, like tracking their meals. They're just like being lions and tigers and bears and like eating shit and like being savage and stuff. So like, why should we do that too? And it sounds kind of stupid, but like, that's the way I kind of think about things. But anyways, I kind of digress. Mm -hmm. So as far as doing a bulk, like an intuitive bulk, and this is something that I've been working on that, um, that is super useful is just, um, noticing the fullness in your body. Um, and this is where mindful eating comes into play. And, um, one of the, one of the nutrition coaching programs that, that I, uh, had gone through called precision nutrition. Um, they talk about mindful eating and this is just bringing awareness when, when you're eating your meals. So, um, just like as a general rule of thumb, um, like mindful eating involves slowing down when you're eating your meals, turning off the TV, putting down your cell phone, breathing, um, savoring your meal. Really. I think a lot of times, I think, um, especially this day and age, I think people, and this is something I find myself guilty of too, is just like, um, people will be like, Oh, like I need like some type of background noise. I want to be like doing something while I'm eating, like sit down and just like, enjoy your meal, like slow down, chew your food thoroughly. This is the kind of thing where you're going to get more nutrient density from the foods that you're eating. Cause if you're chewing your food more thoroughly, and that's more surface area for, for like all the, uh, all like the, like the, our stomach acid and stuff like that, all the chemicals in there to like, to bind onto the food. So you get way more nutrient density from your food. And then, um, it's a good way to like gauge your fullness. So if, if you're looking to yeah. bulk, you're going to want to eat till you're a little bit more than full. If you're looking to maintain your weight, then you eat to a comfortable fullness. If you're looking to lose weight, then you probably stop till around 80% fullness. So getting a gauge for these kinds of metrics and you mm -hmm. asked um, if um, someone should hire a coach for this kind of stuff, I, I think it's definitely useful to, to hire a coach because um, I think a lot of the times people don't even have awareness of, of what they should be, what they need to be paying attention to. So having, um, having someone kind of guide you in the right direction as far as what you should be focusing on within your body is great. For me, something that I focus on is, as far as bulking goes, um, and this is something that I've been trying to work on because um, I'm trying to add weight myself, but um, it's just your body just feeling full. For me, um, I think I, I've, been, I've been at this kind of stuff for a while. So I know I just like, I have a feel for like when I'm like surplusing and then when I'm kind of in a deficit, when I'm in a deficit, I definitely, I look leaner, my face looks thinner. Um, my body just feels flatter. When I'm in a surplus, my body feels full. I feel super energized during my workouts. I feel energized throughout my day. Um, so I think it's it's super simple, but that is honestly the the greatest mm. indicator is just is is uh, feelings of fullness in your body. If you're generally full for most of the day, 
then um, chances are your, your body's surplusing and you're in an anabolic state where you can build muscle. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And I hope all the guys that want to build muscle um, in an intuitive way hear that. Cause I think that honestly counting calories, depending on who you are, can be super detrimental to your mental health and also just waste a bunch of fucking time that you could use on building your dream life. Uh, to be super frank, that's my perspective. And I say this not to denigrate the work that you may be doing or any other fitness trainer. Um, but I am just saying from my own personal experience, I went through an eating disorder. I had bulimia. And so I would try to get control over all this uncertainty I had about my body image and about food. And am I eating too much? So much uncertainty. I used counting calories to get control or certainty to balance myself out. But then I would just go way on the other end and end up going back and forth on the binging and restricting cycle. And I've, my girlfriend gave me this challenge to help create this freedom for me. And it's absolutely changed my life. And so that's, that's why I asked about intuitive eating because I think generally our, I would love to see men become more intuitive in their lives in general and to not rely so much on specific controlling numbers, measuring things, things we can only perceive with our senses, but actually coming into the ethereal a little bit, coming into intuition, coming into our hearts. I think in general, it's an amazing practice and mindful eating. What an amazing thing to use to become more mindful. So I I really, really love that. I really, really love that. Yeah. Um, and something that, um, to the point that you just kind of made as far as, um, like having control, I think, um, I think meal tracking is super useful for people who have absolutely no awareness of, of portion control or, or, um, understanding mm. macros at all, or, or manage their portions in any way. Um, I think meal tracking is very important for a certain degree of time, but for someone like you, um, um, in that, in that current point in time where they're just, um, their personality type is, is just not really suited for something like that. So it's better to lean towards something else. So, um, just Mm -hmm. kind of, um, in my own experience, I had a client who, um, she was with me for a few months. Um, we had started her off with meal tracking, but she had, um, she had a history with some not so great trainers. Um, she was, she had done some bodybuilding in the past as well, which can be super restrictive, especially around competition time. And, um, for her, the, uh, the meal tracking just was, um, it just didn't work for her at all. It just, um, stirred some not so good memories, um, made her, it just didn't seem sustainable for her. So, um, we switched mm-hmm. her over to a, uh, to a hand portion protocol, which, um, you can still have a control of, of managing your portions, but you're not like super, um, super anal about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So hand portioning, is um is a great middle ground that I that I do with uh, some of my clients, which involves exactly what I said, your hands. So just to kind of get into it quickly for um for anyone out there who's interested. So the size of our palm is about a serving of protein. So this is about like three to four ounces. So obviously our palms are going to be different size to size per person, but it's perfectly proportional. So if you're a smaller guy, you have a smaller palm, and you probably won't need like the serving sizes for proteins that you need aren't going to be as much. If you're a bigger guy with a bigger palm, then your portions are going to go up a little bit. So I think it's a great gauge. Um, next we have a cupped handful that is about one serving of carbs. So if we have two cupped handfuls, that's about like two servings right there, two cups. Um, next we have our thumb. Our thumb is about the size of a tablespoon. This is a serving of fat right here. And then lastly, we have our fist. So our fist is about the serving size of vegetables. Um, so mm. 
nice little food for thought right there for any of you interested in hand portioning. <laughs> Pun intended. I can't believe you said food for thought after that explanation. A hundred percent in more ways than one. Um, well, I, I love that because I, I love when things can be easy to apply. Um, because one thing I didn't know at the start of my coaching journey was that complexity really is the enemy of execution. Um, and I got that from Tony Robbins and it's, it's changed my life because I realized it's actually just really fucking simple, man. Like a lot of this, the change that we want to make in our lives, it's just a matter of changing our, just slightly changing our focus, slightly changing what we do with our bodies, slightly changing the words that we choose to speak. Anyways, I, I digress there, but I, I love how simple that is. Um, Absolutely. So Last question for you, because I want to wrap this up Okay, is if you had to give one message to a man in his twenties who maybe wants to build muscle, but wants to do it from the right place, not do the ego lifts and all that stuff. But you know, all he sees around him is guys who are like pumping up the numbers and doing ego lifts. And he's like, what the fuck is this intuitive, you know, health stuff. And what, what is this whole thing about loving myself from the inside before I, you know, whether or not I hear compliments from other people about my body. What is some advice from your own experience that you give a guy in his twenties on his health journey, his body image type journey? That's a great question. And I'd love to touch on that. So something that, um, I actually, I made a YouTube short uh, a couple of weeks ago and, um, I was saying how the number one way to, to build a purposeful, intentful, meaningful practice is to simply have fun. And like you just said, like, um, I forget the exact quote, but like, we don't, we don't want complex solutions. We want simple ones. So, um, I think take an introspective nature and, um, explore really what's meaningful to you. And most importantly, what's fun. What do you, what do you enjoy? What type of movement do you really enjoy? And, uh, and dial in on that. I think that that is the best advice I can, I can give in that realm. It's just, uh, to enjoy the process for sure. That's beautiful. And it's, it's simple advice, but again, it's very powerful. And I, I can see how we're, we're pretty aligned in our philosophies, I feel, towards our health. I can, I can sense some alignment there. Cool. Um, okay, great. Um, and thank you for coming on, Peter. If there's anywhere that anyone listening, they'd like to connect more with your work and go flow training, maybe like to do a session or to take a consultation call of some kind, uh, where can they go find you? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm on a few platforms. So I'm on Instagram at GoFlowTraining. Um, you'll see a link tree in there. It has some links to some other pages I have. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not so active there as much. My marketing coach told me I'm posting on too many platforms. But anyways, I digress. Um, mm-hmm. TikTok as well, at GoFlow Training. I'm most active on TikTok and Instagram. You can find me yeah. on Facebook as well, Peter Theo Horitis. Um, It's a mouthful. But anyways... All of that stuff is in the link tree on my Instagram and it has applications for coaching as well. So you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Uh, and for any, everyone who's listening, thank you for your time and attention. You know, our, our attention is, um, you know, up for grabs today in today's world. Our attention is being bought left and right. And for you to spend your attention, your time here and knowing that it's your most valuable resource, I hope it was a valuable episode for you. Uh, And if it was, you can hit the like and subscribe button and follow along, continue to help build this community and really build this message of men coming back into their hearts and changing the culture and masculinity. No, no fucking ego lips, baby. All intuitive. Love the body. Love what we look like. Love how we express ourselves. Uh, So thank you for watching and I'll see you in the next episode. Until next time, my friends, live a life that's true to you. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Brett. It was a pleasure.
That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for watching or listening to this podcast episode. I hope it was valuable for you because I make these for you. I make these for people that want to transform their life to the next level and hopefully change the culture of masculinity at the same time. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, you can check the description below and be sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any updates on the next episode that I will release. Thank you so much for watching and until next time, live a life that's true to you.